0: Welcome to Stop Ruining My Childhood,
1: a sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture.
0: Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question,
1: does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood?
0: My name is Megan.
1: And I'm Steve.
0: And today we are reviewing Manimal, which is a forgotten live action TV show of 1983 um it aired on NBC but you can find it on YouTube in Spanish and English yes and possibly Italian
1: probably Spanish first and you really got to dig to find it in English
0: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So if you want to watch Manimal and you don't want to have to dig around for it like we did, you can visit our blog at StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. We have a tab, Watch With Us, and that is our blog. So all of the links for the show and for our Nostalgic Snack, which we're going to talk about in a minute, um, all those links are on there and you can watch along with us and have a good time. So, Steve, what is your Nostalgic Snack today?
1: Today's non-sponsored snack is barnum's animal crackers now you went out and got a thing of barnum's animal crackers for us today and i them in front of them and they do it's kind of like i remember my childhood but the first issue i'm going to say is it's in a package
0: yeah instead
1: of the iconic cardboard box that looked like a zoo train carriage
0: so that's interesting because so why don't you try some of them while you have them i'll talk there's a little crinkling i will have a camel. Okay. So, yeah, the Animal Crackers we picked for today because we're doing Manimal. um, And they actually started in Britain, but then they were part of Stoffer's Biscuit Company in 1871. And then Nabisco basically eventually took over that company. But they've been Barnum's Animals since 1902 with that classic circus design until the circus ended. And so, yeah, so when the circus ended, um, Nabisco apparently was contacted by PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, and they were like, hey, can you maybe redesign this to make it more accurate so that's why now if you buy them they have kind of like a jungle background although i have to tell you that there are a few versions where you can still get the circus okay so if you look on amazon it kind of depends which like which packaging you're getting
1: yeah the this now just has a big picture of all the animals kind of walking towards you together, prey and predators. It's very illogical. It doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: It's like Um, the Garden of Eden. They're just all happy (laughs) all together. Until you eat them. (laughs) Until you eat them, yes, but Um, they're not eating each other. All right, how are the
1: i mean basically if you've never had a barnum's animal cracker they're not really a cracker they're actually more like a shortbread cookie
0: yeah it always confused me with animal crackers in my soup and i wondered if like the 1930s that's the shirley temple song Mm -hmm. which shirley temple is a big part of my childhood and also the marx brothers movies animal crackers right i always wondered if maybe the original version was more like a cracker
1: Because these really are more of a shortbread cookie. They even have that sweeter aftertaste a little bit. I mean, they're kind of a plain taste to them, but I I like them. I mean, they're not super sweet. Are they like a
0: graham cracker?
1: uh, Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like a cross between a graham cracker and a shortbread cookie.
0: So here's the deal. Steve is having this snack today because they do have gluten-free versions of animal crackers, but we don't have a Patreon right now. Okay, if we had a Patreon where, like, people were donating and we could use that money, like, to rent the movies or to buy the snacks, that'd be fine. The gluten-free version was $6. And mm-hmm. I've never been a big fan of animal crackers, even when I could eat gluten. And <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying 6 bucks for gluten-free animal crackers. So, so I have milk duds.
1: <laughs> so, yep, you do have milk duds. <laughs>
0: Which are stamped with gluten-free. And um, they're gluten-free because the first two ingredients on Milk Duds are corn syrup and sugar. And I have okay. Milk Duds because I had a list of, like, snacks we loved in our childhood, and this just happened to be available at the store, and it was 99 cents as opposed to the Animal Crackers. <laughs> Sorry. So All right, so cool, how are the The cool crackers? thing
1: about Animal Crackers, of course, was... A, the box, which they, we've discussed they don't have anymore. They looked like the, the zoo car. Um, but also that they were obviously in shape of animals. And they're actually pretty detailed little cr- cookies. Um, I, right now, I mean, I pulled out two monkeys, a rhinoceros... A camel, yeah, a lion. There's there's quite a variety, and they are. I mean, they're detailed enough that you can definitely look at it and go, "Oh, that's that." You know, you don't have to put a lot of effort into figure out what it is. It
0: kind of surprises me because my childhood recollection is that it was just kind of a blob, and you had to figure out like this kind of looks like an elephant. You know?
1: Yeah. No. I the way I remember them, the Barnum's animal crackers were always fairly detailed. The frosted animal cookies mm, I love
0: those. were a
1: blob because they then threw frosting on top of mm-hmm.
0: them. It's like a wax, like little Debbie, like the 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 pink and the white. Is that what you That's the kind yeah, I like. But it that, was from Keebler. But
1: it was right. But it was the type of frosting that that hardened. Yeah, um, that was that was also a good one. But here, just talking about the original Barnum's animal crackers. Um, They're pretty good. I've had a few just now while we were talking about them, and they're not the same as when I was a child because, of course, you know, it does lose a little bit of its neatness that they look like animals um, when you're an adult, (laughs) but I don't know.
0: Oh, wait, I want to say before you do yours. So sure. the Milk Duds. Okay, here's the difference. Megan as a kid loved Milk Duds. Like this is a candy that I would only get like at the movie theater sometimes if my parents had the $4. that <laughs> you have to have to buy it. And the difference of eating these an adult, first of all, they're a lot sweeter than I remember. Because mm-hmm. they're basically a very hard caramel covered with like a waxy kind of chocolate. But also, here's my concern. <laughs> um... I feel like they're going to rip all the fillings out of my mouth. (laughs) So, like, as a kid, I probably would have, like, kept shoving them in my mouth and have this, like, big hard ball of caramel. Mm. As an adult, I'm like, how much is this going to cost me in dental work? Yes. (laughs) So I feel like I'm ruining my child a little bit by trying to revisit Milk Duds. All right. So one out of five for the snack, one out of ten for the TV show. We're right. looking at Panthers today. One out of five. What do you give them? Um,
1: you know, like I said, they, they hold up because they are kind of what I remember. They're not some, anything crazy sugary or really addictive to eat. Like I had two or three of them, but it's not like I feel like I need to eat the whole bag. Yeah. Um, so I would give them a... Three out of
0: five. Okay. Like, yeah, they're okay.
1: Yeah. It's not, they, I would eat them again. I mean, if they were in my cupboard, I would say, yeah, you know, and I wanted a snack, I would probably have animal crackers.
0: I feel like animal crackers, if you have a really picky kid, animal crackers are that, like, when kids go through that phase where they just want, like, spaghetti with butter on it, animal crackers are for those kids.
1: Because like, they are kind of plain. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're very plain and they're bland, but they're a little bit sweet. All right. Yeah, good. Three out of five. Um, I probably say the same for the milk duds. I guess I know that's not our official thing, but they're a little bit too hard. I feel so sad saying this because I feel like this is a weird grown-up thing to say, but there's a chocolatier down the road who they make their own caramels, and I'm like, I would rather spend my money, like for a dollar, on like three really good, yeah, crafted caramels than a box of milk duds. Um, quality chocolate. That's what I'm all about, I guess. Um, yeah. Okay. So good. Three out of five. Okay. So we're going to summarize Manimal in a minute, but I just, again, for people who haven't heard us before, we always do a cartoon and then a live action TV and then a movie. So we're in the middle of that cycle. We just talked about G.I. Joe last Mm -hmm. week and today is our live action TV. And then next week we'll talk about Splash. Yep. So... That's kind of where we are. We're going to do a summary, and then I have some fun facts, and Steve has some fun facts, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll get into our memories, and we'll do the full recap and review. So, tell the people about the episodes we watched.
1: So, first off, I'm going to start off with a summary of Manimal. And I'm going to do it in the best way that I know how, which is through the opening narration of the show. Okay. Um, I am not going to do it as much justice as William Conrad, who originally recited the the intro. But here we go. Dr. Jonathan Chase, wealthy, young, handsome. A man with the brightest of futures. A man with the darkest of pasts. From Africa's deepest recesses to the rarefied peaks of Tibet. Heir to his father's legacy of the world's darkest mysteries. Jonathan Chase, master of the secrets that divide man from animal, animal from man. Manimal.
0: (laughs) So we watched two episodes. We watched episode four. There were only eight episodes aired.
1: Right, and we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, when we talk about but the we
0: watched about. episode four, which is the female of the species.
1: Yep, and this was basically an episode that was about a girl who was lost as a young child and was raised by wolves. So it's not the most original storyline. I mean, this is kind of Tarzan, right? Yeah. Um, and we've seen a number of other shows or books try to adapt this same theory. Like a
0: feral child. Of a
1: feral child, yes, exactly. Um, And so this professor at a local college finds this girl who'd been raised by wolves and he's kind of showing her off as a spectacle. Jonathan Chase, who's the main character, who also it seems like is a zoologist. He has his own really wealthy house that also has like a zoo or animal hospital in the basement where he has, he keeps animals, but it looks like he keeps them very um respectfully like they have their own containment places but it's not like a cage they have their own little habitats yeah it's
0: a habitat um, it was really odd though because the top of the house is just a normal mansion mansion
1: but then he has like an underground like zoo habitat but
0: it's in the middle of a city
1: yeah yeah, yeah. um so he starts trying to help the girl um someone tries to kill her right off the bat and he gets called in along with his partner, which is Detective Brooke uh, McKenzie. And she's kind of the cop of the whole story. And so what you have is, again, a reoccurring theme we see in TV shows where you have some kind of a specialist partnered with a police officer. Yes. To help solve crimes or mysteries. The
0: amateur detective plus the official... The Official same law enforcement. Yeah, the official yes. law enforcement detective. Yeah. And
1: so he's called in. And so he ha- ends up coming in. And during this whole exchange of him trying to help her, trying to help her find her memories, as well as doing a little bit of, like, My Fair Lady, yes. where he's, like, trying to civilize her at the same time, um, they come to find out that she's actually, like, the heiress to, like, a really big company. And her parents were killed on purpose. And they thought they'd killed her, too. On a boat safari. Yeah, they figured out. And that's it out. where she got lost as like a four or five year old kid and raised by wolves the rest of her life
0: they figure that out through like weird play therapy which by the way he he opened a panel in his floor and had water
1: <laughs> no no that was his hot tub yeah, <laughs> and he put a board over it so they could sit over it and use it as a pond i
0: don't mean to get into too many details as we're yeah. doing the summary but we can yeah so oh. at any rate they're they're using the hot tub they do play therapy and mm-hmm.
1: but also at the same time his his best friend tyrone who's like an amateur detective He's his he's like his sidekick, but Tyrone also like does a little bit of amateur like snooping. And mm-hmm. so he goes back and looks through the files and finds that like it you know, around the time that they thought she went missing or whatever, there was this family that was supposedly killed and the daughter was never found. Right. And so between that and the play therapy, they're able to kind of put, you know, the whole case together. And so, you know, of course it comes down to a point where they're in moral danger because the bad guys catch her, and they're going to kill her to get rid of her. Um, so th- Because the guy who's paying the hired thugs it was the business partner of her parents, so he's basically in control of the business now. Mm-hmm. But if she pops up as the heir, and she's like 20 now, he loses control. So he's trying to get rid of her before people realize who she is. And, of course, during this, Jonathan Chase, which makes him the manimal... Right? He has this ability to turn into any animal he wants. So at one point, he turns into a hawk and flies around the city to find where she is. At another time, uh, near the end, when the bad guys are kind of trying to grab her, he turns into a black panther and then attacks attacks them at that point and then at the end he turns into a shark uh, or no i'm sorry he, he turns into a dolphin, a dolphin. and he fights a shark yes um so that's the first episode female of the species we and saw.
0: then it, it, it ends with her being okay catching yeah. the bad guy all of
1: that. they rescue her they catch the bad guys yes
0: yeah so then we watched episode six which is called Scrimshaw.
1: You know, each of these stories is... This is before really long-form storytelling. Yes. So each of these episodes is its own kind of standalone adventure. Um, so now uh, Jonathan Chase is hosting um, this old man who's called Sea Dog, who's like an old retired sailor. I mean, almost looks like a, a real-life variation of Popeye and his grandson. And meanwhile, he, Jonathan and... and uh brooke, detective brooke mckenzie are on the beach and they find a skeleton holding a scrimshaw which is like a, a a tusk that's been carved um this one's a walrus and so he starts asking around and come to find out it's very valuable it's supposed to be a treasure map and sea dog figures out what it is as well and gets caught up in it and of course there's bad guys who want the treasure you run into this um hour-long basically race to the treasure treasure hunt where um they kidnap Sea Dog to, to help them. The bad guys kidnap Sea Dog to help them find the treasure. Um, they end up flying to this island off the coast of New York. And then Jonathan, fo- Jonathan actually is on the plane, and they push him overboard, but he turns into a hawk and flies away. And then they end up, at one point, he turns into a snake. Pretty much every episode, they do a hawk and a black panther. And then they usually add a third sometimes. And this one, he turned into a snake. Right. He, so that Brooke could grab a hold of him. And he could be used as a rope to pull her out of quicksand.
0: So yeah, um, he turns into a snake and Brooke is stuck in quicksand, which we'll get into that yeah. part too, because I've been in quicksand. But yeah. at any rate, she grabs a hold of him yeah. and pull and he, they pull him out. And
1: they get they get to the bad guys right as they're finding the treasure, mm-hmm. break it up, save Sea Dog, save his grandson, and all's well as kinda all these episodes end.
0: Okay, so that was a recap, and now we're going to do some kind of history and fun facts to give a little bit of context to this. So one of the reasons we decided to do this particular show is that we talked about ALF a couple of weeks ago. So when we did the research for that, we found out that ALF was approved as an NBC show because all of their pilots had failed. So all their 1983 pilots, and it has been hailed as the worst television lineup of TV history. Not before and not since has this ever happened. So I'm going to read to you, Steve, the descriptions for all the shows. Okay. And besides Manimal, you tell me which one you would watch. Okay. Are you ready? All right, Dallas was one of the top shows at the time, mm-hmm. and also some other top shows, um, sixty minutes, which is kind of always up there for a long time. But Dallas, The A Team, Simon and Simon, Magnum PI, those were some of the top shows at the time. These See, were the
1: competi- that competition, the competition, yeah, yeah
0: from CBS and, and and ABC, right? So Dallas is the top, the top show, okay. And it's a a soap about a family of Texas oil barons. So NBC runs The Yellow Rose, which is a soap opera about a family of Texas oil barons. (laughs) Then we have Mr. Smith, which is a political advisor. And you would think it would be like, oh, like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Mm -hmm. Except that he has a chimpanzee companion who's super smart from experimental...
1: Chemicals,
0: and it's the orangutan from the the movie Every Which Way But Loose. You know, (laughs) Jennifer slept here, which sounds like a Lifetime movie about a battered wife. To be quite honest with you, Mm -hmm. this is. A typical American family moves into a new home in Los Angeles that's still inhabited by the ghost of an old Hollywood movie star who once lived there.
1: Is this a comedy or or, or like a so. drama?
0: I think it's supposed like a sitcom where there's okay. like a kooky ghost like... You know Bay City Blues, which is actually a Stephen Bochko show, he did LA, LA Law Hill Street Blues, mm-hmm. The Bittersweet Lives of a Constantly Touring Minor League Baseball Team. We've Got It Made Two New York roommates, much to the chagrin of their girlfriends, hire a sexy living maid. Oh, good, <laughs> which sounds like the same people who did Bosom Buddies probably did. That I was just show.
1: thinking of Bosom Buddies, yeah.
0: Boone. A 1950s drama about a teenager named Boone Sawyer who wants to be part of rock and roll music, but to the chagrin of his conservative father. Okay. I think that's the one I mentioned last time. I think his dad is supposed to run like a an auto mechanic service and yes. he wants his son to help. I don't know. The Rousters, two modern day bounty hunters who are descended from Wyatt Earp. For Love and Honor... A military drama set on a military... A romantic drama set on a military base that's basically a rip-off of an officer and a gentleman.
1: That's what I was thinking of, was an officer and a gentleman. And then
0: Manimal, a handsome playboy, helps solve police crimes. So what you can kind of tell from this is that What I see a lot in some of these 80s TV shows is that they were getting bored with TV and they were trying to do these crazy high concept like, let's have a super smart chimp Mm -hmm. (laughs) and let's have a baseball team that has to travel all the time. Let's set a show in the 50s and have it be about the birth of rock and roll. But he kind of also is a country singer, but maybe not like, and then we have Manimal. So which one of those shows besides Manimal would you go? Would you maybe go for?
1: Not many of them. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. May, they don't sound great. Maybe the ghost.
0: I, the ghost sounds like it could be fun. I think if you know, I think you could do the bounty hunter thing. Like it would be like Winona.
1: Well, I was going to say the interesting thing is is that many years later, Sci Fi Channel did Winona Earp. Yeah. And she's an off. She's a, a descendant of Wyatt yeah. Earp.
0: So. None of, those, none of those shows went, and Manimal is kind of the, the most famous of the group, but it was made by creator Donald Bowe. He also did this show that's also on YouTube called The Wizard, which is about a little person who's a, an inventor and an adventurer, and it's a lot. I watched one episode of it. It's a lot like the structure of this show. Yes. Um, and eventually, he went on to do Baywatch and Baywatch Nights, which are also kind of, when you think about them, weird concepts. Yes. <laughs> um, so the creator, Glenn Larson, another the other creator, he did Magnum P.I., Knight Rider, Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica. And I think when you watch the show, we'll get into this, but I think there's a lot of Magnum P.I. similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were only eight episodes made, and in part because it was so expensive, but also... It was really doomed to fail. They aired the the pilot episode was also the day that on Dallas, people found out who shot JR. Mm. Which was like a huge thing. That was a huge thing. thing. Where like you know, they had like a TV guide wondering who did it. They had a parody on SNL like who shot JR. Also because it was a soap but at night you didn't find out right away. So it was right. like waiting the whole season or the whole summer to find out. Simon McCorkendale, who plays Jonathan, was the star. He started out as a stage actor, and he did, he was in the Death on the Nile, the 1978 version.
1: Oh, okay. The new
0: Death on the Nile just came out, so I wanted to mention that. But later on, he did Falcon Crest. And he did some other TV, and then he moved on to directing and producing. Melanie Anderson had a variety of roles. I know you know her from Flash Gordon.
1: She was in the Flash Gordon movie, yes. But
0: she was also in Marilyn and Bobby, Her Final Affair, a 1993 made-for-TV movie. A book just came out called The Night Bobby Killed Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) A a nonfiction, like a true crime book. I I highly recommend it. I don't want to get into it, but I highly recommend it. So... Sometimes this is the best science fiction TV. Sometimes this is called the worst science fiction TV. TV Guide ranked it number 15 on their worst 50 TV shows of all time. But it was really kind of popular with some kids who would like draw the hybrid of the animal. And mm-hmm. the... But it was so expensive because as we'll talk about when we really get into it, the special effects show him morphing yes and they really had to at that point do it with makeup yeah and the makeup cost quite a bit so you can kind of see why they didn't get great ratings and it was canceled quite quickly because of the cost
1: well, the interesting thing is, is the, the special effects were actually really good for that time period. Yeah. For 1983, they were phenomenal. And actually, Stan Winston, who is the special effects artist who did that, later went on to win Academy Awards. Oh, I he believe it. He did Jurassic Park. Mm. He did The Terminators. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a, a number of, of different movies. Predator. Um, and so he really was top of his game
0: yeah and it's very I would compare those special effects, like to move some movies like Teen Wolf or American Werewolf in London. Like it's those portions of it are that quality. Um, And then basically it kind of disappeared. NBC executives were like, we are never putting this out. They do have a DVD set of it, but they were like, we're burying this show. And then in 2012, it was optioned for a film and it kind of never got made, but it was set to be starring Will Ferrell. Yes. So you can kind of see how it could be ripe for parody. But Will Ferrell and, and his writing producing partner, Adam McKay, I think, I don't know where, where they are now, but for a bit of time, at least, they had a kind of a falling out. And they weren't doing it. And I think this fell kind of at that point in time. Um, Which is kind of unfortunate because they had writers from Key and Peele set to do the script. (laughs) And I think it might have been It would have either been... Will Ferrell's movies are either like a total hit or a total miss. Yeah. And you could see this kind of going either way. It
1: it would have been interesting to do as a comedy. Yeah. Because of everything within it. But, you know, where where this was really... uh, um, investigative drama a mystery drama sci-fi kind of show
0: yeah and it's it's a really high it's a high concept they do the the makeup really well but they kind of didn't have the budget or the production value to kind of see it through and especially airing it up against dallas look you were never gonna Especially the height of Dallas. Maybe if Dallas was in its limping last season, you know, but right. at the height of Dallas, I don't think you're gonna make it. So we're gonna take a pause here and when we come back, we'll talk about our memories, if we have them, um, in the eight weeks that this ran, and then we'll get into our full review and recap. This podcast is supported by its creators
1: and listeners like you.
0: Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com.
1: There you can find links to our social media.
0: And this very podcast you're currently listening to.
1: Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page.
0: And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast.
1: And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well.
0: We also post bonus content about once a month.
1: So like, subscribe, and follow.
0: For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now, back to the show. Okay, hi everybody, we're back. My name is Megan.
1: And I'm Steve.
0: And we're going to talk about our memories of Manimal. I'm going to go first. I don't have any. (laughs) I always see this show listed on craziest tv of the 80s or forgotten pop culture of the 80s and so i kind of always wanted to watch it just based on that but i've never i have really i mean 83 so i would have been four Mm -hmm. and um not probably allowed to even stay up long enough to watch animal but you were a little bit older and um not much but a tiny bit
1: i was six years old when animal came out yeah and i remember it vividly
0: you loved it.
1: I loved it. And i if you had told me, I don't remember it only being eight episodes, but then again, I was a child, right? Right. Um, I, I remember seeing... Multi, I may have seen all eight episodes. I don't recall. But, I, you know, it stands out. The opening scene or the pieces where it shows him the visual effects where it shows him morphing mm-hmm. and his face changing if he's turning into a hawk like he starts to grow feathers mm-hmm. his eyeball his eye changes you know you see the talons or when he turns into a panther you see his actual snout coming out that I could I could have described that opening to you now 39 years later and why did and they? I only saw it then. I haven't seen it in 39 years. Right, because
0: they didn't have reruns.
1: But I thought it was the coolest thing ever. The concept that this guy could turn into an animal, any animal he wanted. I think, if and now we only watched two episodes, but if I recall, in one episode, he turns into a parrot to like <laughs> spy like on people in a right. room. Um, it was really interesting. and, and I, But I do remember as a young kid being con- confused because I thought, they call him Manimal. right because it's a switch it's a combination of animal and man mm-hmm. I thought it was a combination of man and mammal
0: <laughs> and so I was
1: really confused when he could turn into a
0: bird or a snake or a, and
1: I'm like wait a second those are mammal right because of course you're a kid yeah um
0: I like that at six you knew what a mammal was though so that's good
1: yes yes um I, I
0: Steve, why do you think? Do you think it's because he's kind of like a superhero that it had such a big I impression? I think so.
1: It's a power, you know. Right. That's a that's a superpower almost to be able to turn into any animal you want. And yeah. As a kid who's into you know dinosaurs and animals, that's really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it would be. I mean, if they had like a guy to turn into dinosaurs, that would be a cool. That show would be too. A really cool show, right? And so, yeah, I really, I for some reason this really left a, a mark in my memory. Um, even though I haven't seen it in almost forty years now, and watching it again kind of brought stuff up. I mean, again, it's been—I don't know—it wasn't that it was. I didn't remember the storylines over so, since I was six, right? But it still held up. I mean, it was a guy that turns into animals and, and, yeah. and solves crimes, right? I-
0: This is obviously Steve's pick because he remembered it. But one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because there are these things from our childhood. One of mine we're going to watch in a couple weeks is called Small Wonder. And there's another thing that if I can find it, the Hug a Bunch movie. There are these weird things that you see like once... When you're like five or six and you're like, was that like a fever dream? Like, did I imagine, you know, this thing happening? And I think this is one of those things that a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, like I totally I remember seeing that it was so crazy or oh, we used to draw the manimal transformations at school, Mm -hmm. you know, those kind of things. So you have good memories of it.
1: I do. Yep. Yep so so moving into the recap review as far as recap goes
0: let's talk about episode four first.
1: this episode four well we, yeah. again, we already discussed the summary a little bit but that was uh, what i was going to ask you what jumped out at you from this episode
0: all right I, i'm gonna get into the biggest thing first then we can get into some of the other details it was somewhat disappointing to me that they take a long time for him to transform into this animal right they really want to show the the morphing mm-hmm. which is cool But he's only an animal for like 45 seconds and then he's back to a man and this girl was raised by wolves and there's so much there where he could have been a wolf he never transforms into a wolf yeah That the time he transforms into a panther he's she she climbs into the wolf cage at the zoo and he transforms into a panther and jumps in and i look at steve and i go not a wolf like, why not a wolf? I I did like, though, you know, PETA was formed in 1980. And I think that this show, for its time, was trying to be very prescient to show that this girl is kind of like an animal, that animals deserve proper treatment, that mm. this girl deserves proper treatment. And that was cool. And also that he does these things like he holds out his hands to her like palms up, he's making these animal gestures and he has animal traits even when he is a human, right? There's like heightened senses. He hears things other people can't hear. He smells things. Sometimes other people can't smell. So that was kind of cool.
1: I thought the same thing as you did, but you know, again, as I'm thinking about this, I'm, you know, especially in 1983 as an adult. Now I'm looking back on it and going, you know, they probably had a very limited selection of trained animals.
0: Yeah, that's true. So
1: they got lucky and got somebody that had a hawk and a <laughs> panther, so they worked them in every episode, yeah, right? that's true. And then occasionally they got an extra animal somewhere.
0: I mean, they are cool animals. If you could transform, yes. why not, right? Right,
1: Be- because it was interesting. And, you know, another piece in doing research on this I did come across someone else that said one of the the things that came up in people's minds as they watched this was they were never very clear on his powers right. he definitely it was very definitely clear that he could turn in into an animal and out and back to a man mm-hmm. but there were times that it showed that he had like super he you know he had traits of animals as a human yeah. but they never explained that thoroughly
0: <laughs> no they never fully explain anything I really oh I'm gonna link in our our blog, because he mentioned um, when they're talking about her being a feral child, he runs off like, well, there's this person, there's like the gazelle boy and there was Romulus and Remus. And, but he names like two or three feral children's stories. And I looked them up and some of them are fake. Like the gazelle boy, people were claiming that he could run as fast as a gazelle, and right. been, But which is obviously fake. But there are other stories of like, a girl raised with cows or there was a girl in um i think it was russia whose parents were neglectful so she went out to like live with the dogs and she said later like she behaved like the dogs because then they would like kind of take care of her so she sort of cognitively like knew what she was doing right but there are some of these stories of children being kind of abandoned and raised by animals and it's really fascinating so i thought that that was kind of a cool storyline to do um,
1: you weren't the only one, because Donald Boyle, who wrote this and yeah. wrote Manimal, loved this feral child idea so much that he put it in an episode of Manimal. Uh-huh. He then put it in an episode of The Wizard. Okay. And then he put it in the episode of a third show he wrote and produced. Baywatch? <laughs> no, but it was like, it might have been Baywatch. Baywatch but it was had... Another, I don't think so. I think when I looked it up, I think it was a little bit lesser known show also. Oh, okay. Because Baywatch
0: he, had some crazy He basically
1: episodes. kept trying to push this... This you know in in a in a series that hopefully he was thinking was going to be successful. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's an interesting trope. I thought too. Oh, I will say Simon McCorgan, the guy who plays Jonathan, you can t- kind of tell that he's a stage actor. I thought he was very good. Mm-hmm. The problem with this show in terms of the acting, you find this when we some someday we'll do Murder She Wrote with Murder She Wrote. Angela Lansbury, Chef's Kiss, beautiful, right. wonderful actress, but it they. They hire a lot of times people from soaps to do these shows, and so the acting really isn't quite there. And also because they're paying him, and they're paying... Tyrone was great. Um, The guy who played his sidekick was wonderful. But the other actors, I'm like, they spent a lot of money on the makeup. Yes. (laughs) The acting kind of wasn't there. I liked the girl. Though it's interesting because the feral child girl... Essentially, they are doing, in some ways, Steve mentioned, like, My Fair Lady Pygmalion, the mm-hmm. Henry Higgins thing, and they, they do have Tyrone go, by George, I think she's got it. Yes. But they also have a scene where he's he's pointing at her and he's saying, you and her, I forget her name, but he's like, you and- Sarah. Sarah, yes. You, Sarah, girl, me, uh, Jonathan, boy- And it is, to me, it was a lot like the Helen Keller story, which they had just redone by that point with Melissa Gilbert as Helen Keller. Yeah. Um, The Miracle Worker. Yes. It reminded me a lot of that. But she kind of, at one point, Sarah throws herself at Jonathan and basically tries to mate with him almost. Yeah,
1: it was really awkward. (laughs) It's
0: very awkward.
1: Because obviously, too...
0: She is beautiful.
1: She's beautiful, and they've got her cleaned up, but... Brooke McKenzie, the detective, is also helping in there. Like, she gives the girl a bath. Obviously, it's yeah. it wouldn't have been appropriate, right? But... They're obviously trying to set the stage of, like, a romantic connection between Jonathan and, De- and Detective Brooke McKenzie. Ma- yeah. Right? There's times, even, like, in the other episode we watched where they're walking on the beach together and he's kind of checking her out a little bit. Right? There's connections between the two of them. And then this girl is, like, very aggressively trying to claim him.
0: And her territory, too. Yes. She tries to claim her territory. Which, by the way... They go, they basically go, well, this is how she's been living. She'll be fine right here. And they leave her in like the vestibule in a corner of the house. Like she doesn't even get a mattress or even a couch. Yeah. And Tyrone comes in from what we can only assume is a, co- a, so costume, kind of a costume party. costume And he's clanking around in armor and she goes crazy and kind of like the way a dog would be very territorial Mm -hmm. or I suppose a wolf. Um, And he has this weird thing where he clanks around and falls over a couch and it's supposed to be like the comedic break in the show, you know, like a little bit of humor, but it's not like my, I put in my notes is this supposed to be funny? I'm so confused because we haven't seen Tyrone up to this point. Right. So it's just a guy coming in the house in armor and you don't know who he is if you haven't seen this show before. And I wasn't clear. I guess later on we do see in the other episode. But here I was not sure if his partner, if Brooke knew. I didn't know whether she was aware or not. Because I don't think we see... We see her watching him have you know, the extrasensory kind of perception, but we don't see him, like, transform. But he does transform forward and back in front of Sarah, the feral child. And I wrote my notes like, has she not been traumatized enough? Now she thinks she's a wolf, and now this guy is transforming into a panther in front of her? Oh, my word. He
1: does, um, and and they mention it in one of the other episodes I think or possibly it was during my research when I was reading up on the show but Tyrone and Brooke know that he, that he can turn into animals right. they're the only two individuals that know because okay. Tyrone basically like lives with him too Tyrone was as you mentioned him was it plays by, by Michael D. Roberts who was in a number of other things after this as well and he's the comic relief Right. You know, you've got him... He can, Luckily, he's in the suit of armor because she attacks him.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, and I think he falls in the hot tub, right? You said-
0: <laughs> yeah, he falls in the hot tub. Or over the... I forget which one I think it it's is. in the
1: hot tub, which is, is, is even uh, funnier. Which
0: also, the hot tub is... It's a mansion, but it's so 80s. The hot tub is, like, in the middle of the living room. Yeah. And also, I put is this an indoor-outdoor room question mark? Like, I had so many questions about this show. Th- there's another scene where they're doing research, and this was a great piece that was dated because they walk into a room, and the whole room is a computer.
1: Yes. Because yes.
0: we're... So, like, Apple started in 76, but the Macintosh didn't come out till 84. Yep. So, really, personal computers were just... At the beginning. And this is like Willy Wonka where they are trying to get the answer out of the computer and it's huge. Yes. <laughs> it's a whole room and it spits out like one little card, you yeah. know? Um, so I thought that was kind of a neat throwback. But I kind of, I liked that Sarah is running around. She's older, but she is very much like a child and she's like, we're going to talk about Splash next week. But she's kind of like... The mermaid in splash where everything is new to her yes so she's playing with soap bubbles and she's like pointing at the clock and she's like clapping yeah. at the boat that's floating yeah. around and all of that so that part was kind of fun but i thought that it was an interesting kind of mystery even though we find out pretty early on who's doing this and why but them discovering it was kind of neat um but the- when he becomes a dolphin to save her toward the end they loop the footage of the dolphin so it's just like one five second clip that they play like three different times of the dolphin swimming and going backwards with its like flippers yeah so i just thought there were to me there were a lot of things here that were unintentionally funny
1: right um, the, you know, some of them, too, as I was thinking, you, you know, like we mentioned, the, the kind of absurdity or 80sness of a hot tub being in the middle of the living room, right? Yeah. But I think part of this, too, was they were trying to, the writers of this show were trying to make him, they say, rich, handsome. Like, he's supposed to be like a playboy? Yeah. And then almost, a, and that's a superhero trope, right? It's almost mm. like Batman, who's that's Bruce Wayne, who's this lavish playboy, and then also he's a superhero. The problem is, Simon McCordendale is way too classy.
0: He really is.
1: To pull off being like a sleazy playboy that would have like hot tub parties in his living room.
0: So here's what I would compare it to. Castle is kind of the same setup. You have the female detective and then the amateur male detective. With Rick Castle, he's playing that playboy role. He's never totally sleazy, but especially in the beginning seasons of that show, he's a little smarmy. Yeah. He's he's with a lot of different women, and he's got this you know penthouse apartment, mm-hmm. and the daughter kind of grounds him. But if not for that, he would be just out living his best. Life. Yes, I mean, not that having the daughter doesn't make him live his best life, but he would be like YOLO. You know, right, he only right. lived once. And I think they wanted to go for that with this guy. But you're right; he just kind of he doesn't kind of quite. What's the show with Pierce Brosnan?
1: Remington Steele
0: Remington Steele I feel like that Pierce Brosnan plays more if I'm recalling correctly I could be wrong but I think he plays more of that like swinging playboy devil may care kind of attitude Mm -hmm. and Simon McCorkindale comes off more like I really care about animals, and I want to save the world.
1: And, and I'm a nice and I'm, guy.
0: I'm a nice guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm rich, I'm, but I also am just, like, he never comes off as being inappropriate with women no. or, you know, trying. even though, like I, mean, I said, there's sort nice, of some but, flirtiness between yeah. him and Brooke, but it's always appropriate flirtiness. It's never like he's, you know, making innuendo or anything like right. that. Um, and, of course, that, too, could just be, you know, from the stage. Right. He had kind of a classically trained acting background. Um, he continued on, as you mentioned, Falcon Crest. And he even after that, even when he was producing and directing, he continued acting. And he was in a number of shows in, in London, um, mm. TV shows. Right. And he was actually still on a TV show um, right up until his death in 2010. Oh, wow. Um, he actually didn't let anyone else know that he was suffering Aww. from bowel cancer.
0: Aww. Sad. um
1: and he was going through treatments and then he passed away um right after the wrapping i think of the final season of the show that he was
0: listen in. don't bring down the show <laughs> <laughs> no siri what i was gonna say too is um i i'm really glad that he had a really long and fulfilling career because he is such a great actor yeah. but imagine <clears throat> ted danson in this part we talked about cheers a couple weeks ago he has that like swagger. Yeah. So you, when you say like inappropriate, it's not so much like it's not like sexually harassing inappropriate. What you mean is like not just oh you look nice today, but like hova hava, hey yeah. there, you know, <laughs> like that kind of like wink and stuff.
1: And this is the reason I think Simon McCordendale was a better choice because even though I like Ted Danson, right, I never would have I never would have believed Ted Danson as an animal shifting superhero. No. No, right.
0: but he could play the other part.
1: Simon of that. had that stoicism mm. that kind of says hero. Yeah, right. Um, and so it, it
0: says my parents have been murdered, like Batman. So. Yes. Yet at the same <laughs> I don't know time, if that's the case. he
1: still did fairly well acting wise. He still did kind of play into some of the comedy aspects that Tyrone brought in.
0: Yeah, he does. He does. The end of episode four, just to kind of like pull the end in. So basically he goes, I think she's got it. And she realizes her name and that she's a girl. And then they sit across from each other and smile and the credits roll. Yes. And I wrote in my notes, I know this is a one-off, but honestly, Sarah's going to be messed up for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, if you've read any of these stories, you know, the trauma there but this is a fantasy right. it's a superhero fantasy and in that world she's saved and she gets over her crush on him and just apparently disappears and we never see her again
1: so in scrimshaw so
0: episode six scrimshaw
1: scrimshaw was interesting in episode six because now this is the second episode that we get to watch so i able. i start picking up on some tropes that are going on in manimal yes um one of them being the car chase
0: Mm, yeah.
1: There was a car chase in episode four. There's a dune buggy chase in episode six. All
0: right, I hate car chases, and these (laughs) were really long. Yes. They're really long. There's not a lot of cuts, you know. And look, we talked about G.I. Joe last week, and even that show, like, they cut a lot. There was really interesting edits for a cartoon, especially. This was just, like, one long shot of a car (laughs) driving down a road. Um, We also have really... I noticed another... Kind of trope is that they try to have like snappy dialogue but it doesn't kind of come across yeah uh corky is the 12 year old sidekick here he is sea dog's grandson but we they don't really fully make that clear
1: yeah um, he's kind I, of a cheap knockoff chachi
0: yeah <laughs> and he and he says things like she's a seaworthy dame
1: yeah, and you're like, he's like you're 12. 12 or 13. He's trying to pick up on Brooke McKenzie, who's a detective and also like 30.
0: Yes. And he said, oh, and at one point, I wrote this down verbatim. They do a toast. And also, Corky's in, an, in a seafaring sailor bar with mm-hmm. them. And, the, and and one of the characters goes, here's to the captain. Here's to the mate. Here's to the ladies who stay up late. Yes. And Corky's like drinking a Shirley Temple. Yeah.
1: Well, the best oh, thing is, too, is man. when. I mean, first, they, they find this skeleton, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I buy that. You can find skeleton washed up on the beach especially. And he mentions, being a zoologist, he mentions, you know, the skeleton actually probably isn't as old as it looks. The crabs and other sea life have picked it clean. Right. Right, which is interesting. But also the skeleton's killed by a boomerang stuck in his skull. And they do make sure to say that it was a metal boomerang. But still, that's kind of like the worst lamest murder weapon ever. Well,
0: and th- I think uh, you can kind of tell again that they're ripping off some movies and we saw this with another show we did too that um, Indiana Jones is in 1981. I don't know when Crocodile Dundee was, but I want to say it was probably around this time mm-hmm. um, that but it has they're trying to make him an adventurer. And, yes. and the Magnum P.I. feel, which I, I felt the Magnum P.I. vibes from this before I realized that the creator then went on to just do that show, which it was right. already on the air. But um, he also created that show or helped with that show because the idea that you have a very wealthy amateur detective helping to solve crimes, some of the there are some beats there that remind me of Magnum P.I., but I, you know, I haven't watched that show in a long time. But I feel like that was better produced and well done than this was. But there are definitely some of those. uh, (laughs) The boomerang. The steel-plated boomerang. Which also, it's not just in that corpse. It comes back like a boomerang does.
1: Yeah, it's, well, ironically. It's, yeah, so it's stuck in the corpse, but again, making it the worst ever murder weapon. Because if it misses, to, it comes back at you.
0: Right, that's true. But they try to they try to do it again to somebody yeah. else later. <laughs>
1: so the bad guys kidnapped Sea Dog, and Jonathan Chase goes through this really intricate, time consuming process of cutting the scrimmage sawing the scrimshaw in half. Yeah. So he can bring one half to trade for Sea Dog, and then he has the other one. You know, as a backup, so they don't just kill him. And he right. basically gives me Sea Dog, and I'll give you the other half, right? Yet the grandson follows him with the other half and gives it to the bad guys, yeah, because he's worried about his grand his grandfather, right? Yeah. Which even though he said this three times, and every adult in the in the situation told him, no, this will work. Trust Jonathan.
0: Well, and also he traps Brooke and Tyrone in with the animals. By the way, yes. And well, she, it was with
1: a deer, so it wasn't yes, like animal so, that was going to eat them. But she goes,
0: is there any way out? And Tyrone goes, no, he made this escape proof. How is the deer getting out of there? Yeah. How would the deer have well, escaped? Well, I think
1: there was like a tiger in the next one over or something. I mean, but, maybe,
0: but uh, I was just like very... so. Yeah. So the
1: bad guys knock out Jonathan... And they kidnap Sea Dog, and I'm gonna read you for verbatim the quote I wrote down.
0: And let me see if it's the same as what sea I
1: Sea Dog kidnapped with his idiot grandson. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but my other favorite part so, okay, so they get kidnapped. They're on this, basically it's a desert island, the and he goes and he's like, The the wind shifts the sand and that's how they hid the treasure. Okay. Yeah. But again, with the with the extra sensory per- perception, he, there's a close up of his ear of Jonathan's ear. She goes, "What's that noise?" And he goes, "Horses. No ponies. Hopefully, they found the answer. What? <laughs> what? First of all, there's." Not that big of a difference between a horse and a pony. But secondly, how if the ponies found the... I don't understand. There's not a
1: difference to you, Megan, but you're not manimal. That's true. You're not taking this serious enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I need to come correct. But, um, okay, so then she goes in quicksand. All right, here's the deal. Everybody always says... Oh, we always—I always was prepared for quicksand and like not for doing taxes, okay? And like they're it's, like it's a joke mm-hmm. because all kids shows have quicksand. I actually have been stuck in quicksand. I was hiking um, in a place where there are a lot of college kids also, and there was evidence that they had had like a little bonfire. They're like beer cans, and I found it later on my way out. They moved the sign. Okay. that said danger of quicksand but basically quicksand happens typically near a body of water and what happens is that the water comes underneath the sand and also on top so where i was hiking i was hiking i hiked in on this sand trying to get a shot of this waterfall so the waterfall was an inlet to the bigger river right the water from the river was underneath the water from the waterfall was on top and it created this quicksand situation What I remembered is that quicksand is... You can float in it, basically. Mm -hmm. So if you stretch yourself out, you can float to it. So I kind of like pulled my legs up, floated, and made my way over... By the way, hiking alone, not the smartest thing. But I made my way over to the tree branch, and um, there was not a tree branch, but the roots of a tree Mm -hmm. coming down, and I pulled myself out. But it wasn't... It's not actually fast, Yeah. if that makes sense. So this is more like in princess bride the, the lightning saber? Yes. because she goes down so he takes a very long time to transform into a snake
1: well i mean he's not used to snake he's used to panther and hawk
0: that's true and then how does she react steve when he does this she
1: doesn't for her? want to grab it because she's afraid of snakes but it's
0: it but she,
1: but she knows it's him because tyrone goes yeah it's simon it's fine okay. just grab a hold of him <laughs> and, and i'll pull you up like a rope
0: this show is so illogical and she goes she goes ah, oh, jonathan why did why did you have to be a snake why couldn't you have become something else well that's the other thing jonathan turns into
1: an animal that has to be used as a rope like he has to have be stretched right yeah. why not an elephant I don't, and just yeah, put his trunk over yeah. it and pull her out
0: that's a good point too But she's so ungrateful. I have way more in these notes. I have so many more questions than I do answers. But basically at the end, they decide not to take the treasure. The bad guys try to take it and the sand comes. Yes. But they're rescued. Everything's okay. And they have a little beat at the end, probably after commercial, where Sea dog takes a job as a lighthouse keeper. um, And then Corky hits on Brooke again.
1: Yeah. Oh, but just before that, you forgot. Finally, karma happens, and the murderer with the boomerang tries to kill Jonathan, who ducks, and it comes back and stabs himself, oh, yes. just like I said it would. I forgot. Because no one kills people with a boomerang. It's, yeah, it's the unsafest horrible. murder it's in the world. Yeah,
0: it's a horrible idea. Um, yeah. So it's. It's an interesting show, and that kind of finishes up our recap. Any, before we rate, one out of ten Panthers, Mm -hmm. um, do you have any final kind of thoughts on Manimal high points, low points that you didn't mention? Yes,
1: there's a few. I mean, one of the low points I will notice is that Brooke McKenzie is when the actress was in Flash Gordon, Mm -hmm. the movie. I mean, Flash Gordon movie is, it's a cult classic, but it is sort of low budget, right? Um, And she's not the greatest actress, But I thought she was better in this. Okay. Maybe it's because she had longer, you know, more episodes. Yeah, more experience. More experience as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I did feel that, like, her as a detective, of course, this is probably the times, not the show, right? It's the early 80s. She goes to question the business partner of the parents that were murdered, and she's in a skirt, a blouse, and a purse.
0: Yeah like a detective would be. Like
1: a like a police officer would be.
0: They also let him question somebody and they're like he shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, at one, one point he playing. goes in and just
1: questions somebody, which that I had an issue with that, but I will say this. When looking back at it. Now, keep in mind and those of you following along with us, if you use where, you know, if you follow our blog and you try to watch with us, the 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 youtube videos we got the quality's not great
0: the, yeah
1: now that's not the production quality of the show it's the quality because you're getting a youtube video of a show probably off vhs
0: most um, likely yes. because
1: that seems to be the only thing you can find it the with.
0: spanish versions are a lot cleaner and i think yes. somebody ripped them from yeah. the dvds but
1: when you look past that the fact that the recording is a little bit low grade When you're actually following the storyline itself, I thought these storylines were actually not bad. Yeah. And there were times in both episodes where I felt actual real tension or anxiety. Like at the end of the fourth episode when she's thrown in a crate and dumped in the ocean. He's turning into a dolphin to go save her from a shark. But there was tension. There was anxiety. There was like, oh, I hope he gets there in time.
0: Yeah, I felt like overall my impression is this. That people make fun of this show for the concept. I don't think the concept's bad. I actually think it's a good concept. There's a guy who has a superpower to turn into animals, and because of that, he uses that to help people. Mm -hmm. Right? Whether or not it's with a detective, but here it's they're buddied up. I think that the restraints of The time of 1983...
1: I think this was about 20 or 30 years too early. Yeah. If it had been done in the 2000s or 2010, even now, this could be a Disney Plus show.
0: Yeah, here's what I would compare it to... Because he's like a superhero. Right, here's what I would compare it to... I think Disney Plus with like a 15 or 16-year-old, or it's not a a network anymore, but a CW show I could see this being, with a younger protagonist. But I also... It kind of reminded me in terms of the concept, weirdly, of Quantum Leap, that you have a guy with a power helping people. Yes. Right? I mean, there's a lot more to that show. But there's a sci-fi element. He's trying to help people. It's a different thing every week. Right? That kind of thing. I think he did not spend enough time as an animal in any in either of these episodes i don't know about the other ones but my guess would be that they they limited that but yeah a hundred percent i think if they brought this back today as a concept they could do it really well yes a show on sci-fi with a with an older protagonist a show on disney plus with a younger one i think that there is a gap in terms of the writing though that the people writing the episode Possibly because of the constraints of network TV at the time Mm -hmm. and what they would allow on TV and whatever. Possibly just because they weren't great writers because some of the dialogue is is a little corny. Mm -hmm. But I think that they just didn't execute it well. If they had aired this not against Dallas but against like a lower rated show and they had put a little more effort into the, the script, I don't think the concept's bad. I no. think it could have really done And well. I think
1: people would have bought it. Like, I'm, I think of, like, when we're thinking about the ability to do it, um, HBO Max right now right. has, uh, because they have Warner Brothers, they have Teen Titans from DC. One of the Titans in this, and that's a live action show, one of the Titans is Beast Boy who turns into animals. Right. And they've had him turn into a tiger. Turn, And that's, it's, you can believe it. And, and you they could have CG, the special I mean,
0: and you could CG the morphing, yep. so you wouldn't have to spend so much on makeup. Or... I felt like do the makeup once and tape it, and then like well, just you they've had so it. much they experience doing
1: like werewolf shows, werewolf right. movies, where people morph. Yeah, and and I think it's more easier done. But yeah, um, and the other piece too, I would say episode six
0: mm-hmm. when
1: he's hanging from the plane, there was tension there.
0: And it's a really cool, and especially if you you have somebody go on these adventures. Mm -hmm. You know, he has a lot of money. You can do tons of things with that. Why not see? I mean, again, you can't do that on an NBC show, okay? On HBO, on Disney, have him be in Thailand. Yeah, have him go to Africa. Yep, have him try to save the whales and be a whale. Like yeah. you know, I don't know. Or yeah, you could have a mystery set up still where it's a different person he helps every week, but maybe there's a longer arc there as well, or what have you. But yeah, I think if you had had the writing here and if you if you hadn't had the constraints of it being 1983, I think it could have been better. So, yep. so overall. Out 10, one out of ten. One of ten Panthers. What is your rating?
1: I will tell you. First, I am. I'm glad to have had the chance to revisit Manimal. Like I said, it, it just. It, it had such a place in my mind. It was one of those shows I would always mention to people, like, oh, you remember this and this and this? People would be like, do you remember this from your childhood? And I'd be like, you remember Manimal? And no one ever remembered Manimal. <laughs> right? So I guess I was just right place, right time. But it was great to revisit it. I, I'm a little. Disappointed. I'm a little dis. I'm a little disappointed in TV Guide throwing it on the 50 worst TV shows of all mm-hmm. time. Uh, maybe that's the sci-fi fantasy lover in me, but I would still give Manimal seven out of ten. P- Panthers.
0: Okay, I'm. <sighs> I'm kind of torn on this one. Like I said, I think I do think it's a good concept. I don't think that they executed it well. I did really like Tyrone. He was my favorite. I wish I had remembered the name of the actor. I thought he did a great job. I thought he was very funny. I thought that Jonathan uh, Simon McCorkendale, I thought he was very good in terms of his acting. It was quite quite 1980s in terms of the editing. And so what I mean by that are, like we talked about the car chase, very long cuts. Mm -hmm. For me, it it dragged a little bit in some places. But in other places, it did have good tension. In some places, it had super corny dialogue. And in other places, it had very good dialogue that kind of moved the story along and progressed things. So I would give it, um, I guess I'm at like a four or five. I'm not going to watch the rest of the episodes. I really enjoyed... um, checking it out Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I would encourage other people to check it out because it's this like forgotten piece of 80s lore but yeah I think ultimately I guess I guess I'll give it a five
1: okay so together we give it a six 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 panthers
0: that's not bad for a show that only lasted eight episodes episodes. but we both like sci-fi and we both like some action adventure thrown in there too so six panthers For Manimal, the forgotten 1983 show.
1: And three Panthers for Barnum's Animal Crackers.
0: And three. So, yeah, half for both, basically. Um, And I just want to say, too, if you are listening to this, we also this week put out a bonus episode For the movie Leprechaun Because it is St. Patrick's Day
1: Yes we did So we
0: did Leprechaun and Lucky Charms And that's our first bonus episode that we've ever done Yep. And because we don't have right now a Patreon or anything like that We're just putting it alongside our regular feed So It's just a bonus It's just a bonus for St. Patrick's Day So happy St. Patrick's Day everybody My name is Megan
1: And I'm Steve
0: And you can find us at StopRuiningMyChildhood.com
1: Bring back Manimal.
0: (laughs) We'll see you next week. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.